Bearded Monkey here for Razor's Edge. Uh, today I'm talking to Aaron, lead singer and bassist from Trapnell. Welcome, mate. How are you? All good, man. What are you saying? Yeah, man. Not too bad. Who sings your end? Yeah, it's all good. I've just had a packet of smoky bacon crisps. Got no beer in the fridge, so that's a bit sad. But apart from that, all's well. Oh, man. You, you, need, you need to start packing the fridge up ready for interviews. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just sad, isn't it, really? Amateur. Yeah, I suppose it is only yeah one fifty six in the afternoon, so uh, it might, might be frowned oh. upon since we're not at festivals or anything like that anymore. <laughs> if we were on tour, we'd be drinking at this time anyway. So exactly, just just pretend that you're on tour. Um, well, mate, you're you're relatively new to uh, shrapnel, aren't you? So you're you're kind of the baby at the moment. Uh, last time yeah, we saw yeah. you, uh, you were playing guitar for Kilohertz. Um, yeah, I played, yeah, God, yeah, God, that was two years back now, man. I know, man. Uh, how did the opportunity come around then, and how did you feel when getting offered the position and bassist, uh, position and bassist and lead singer for Shrapnel? Well, a bit of a long story, really. I mean, March 2019, they, uh, they needed a film like a tour with Wolf around the UK. It was 13 days, or 13 days, can't remember, we were drunk a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they asked me to step in for that, and I said, yeah, fine, I'll do it. Um, at that point, the bassist Kai was thinking about leaving because he had university and other um, things he needed to do. Jay, the singer, was sort of like, didn't know whether he wanted to stay because he basically runs his own business and stuff was getting busy there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, eventually they sort of decided they didn't want to be part of Stratmore in one way or another. Um, and they asked me to join on bass and I, and vocals, and I said no. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. How did, how did that yeah. go down? <laughs> <laughs> they just got me, yeah, I think they, they just kept digging at me, really, just kept going, oh, come on, join, join, and eventually they just had to keep getting me drunk. Yeah. So, and that worked in the end. Free beer, mate. I'll do anything for beer. Oh, no, fair play, man, fair play. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so look, obviously, as uh, it feel now to, to be the front man for, for Shrapnel, you know, are things going well? Yeah, things are going great. I mean, nice to be front of the band again. Um, you know, it's what I love more than anything, is front of the band, getting up in people's faces live, you know. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it was, it, was a bit, it was a bit daunting because I hadn't, I hadn't sung in six years, and it was, it was like, as soon as I joined, they were like, straight in, new album, let's get lyrics done, let's get vocal demos done, and I was like, Fuck, man. Mm -hmm. Like, shit, okay, fine. So I was checked in at the deep end, but um, yeah, we gel really well as people um, and as musicians, so it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy now. Awesome, man. Uh, well, obviously, you, you just sort of mentioned about the new album, so your new album, Palace for the Insane, uh, yeah, come yeah. out in April. Uh, came out in May, May 15th. Came out in May, May 15th, that's it. Um, it's a bit different to uh, to uh, the previous shrapnel that we've heard before. Uh, what was the direction yeah. you guys were heading in? Um, so, I'm going to say 80% of the material was written before I joined. Um, but it sort of had, it was a lot of mid-paced stuff and we wanted to make the album different. I mean, from, you know, they, they've always said, and I agree with them, that no, no album should ever be the same as its predecessor, because there's no point, because if not, you might as well just release the same album again. Yeah. Um, so going from, you know, the, the straight out balls to the wall, thrash as virus conspires to the more extreme side with Raised on Decay, we wanted to do something that was, that was memorable, that had hooks and that people could sing along to and then remember the words, good patterns, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what really what we were going for. We just wanted to be remembered for this album. We wanted people to remember the songs and want to listen to it again and go, 
get that chorus stuck in their head, you know. And yeah. I think we achieved it. I think we achieved it. Awesome, man. So, um, sort of talking about the writing process and things like that. So, um, the lyrical content, I, I sort of read somewhere somewhere where you were sort of saying about how you decided to change from uh, writing about war and things like that to, to talking more about sort of personal issues and things like that. Um, so, kind of like my, my, my question really is, um, how do you guys write your lyrics in the band? You know, um, now, now that you've joined, is it something that you've taken over or is it something that you still write as a band? And kind of, where do you get, where do you get your inspiration? from I mean we all get inspiration from different places I mean with with begin again the new video um, and single we've released uh, that was very much you know something we set out to do from the get-go because of, you know the, the, the passing of a friend to suicide and it's something we've all struggled with um, with the, the mental health issues and things like that so that's something we want to do and me and me and Chris uh, guitarist Chris banded together yeah. to sort of like get the lyrics done for that but apart from that I mean it can be of anything really uh, so Chris will write a lot of almost political the world is fucked yeah. the government shit sort of sort of lyrics and I come from more of a of a fantasy occult based yeah. side um, so I mean I'm going to have to say I mean on this album I think I probably wrote 60% of the lyrics and then 40% of it was was Chris and some of the songs we we all sort of banded together But I mean lyrics are lyrics man. I don't care who writes them as long as they're good and people remember them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, man, definitely. Well, what, what was the process in the studio? Did the album come together quite quickly? Uh, or did you spend a lot of time sort of perfecting and tweaking sort of, you know, make, making sure it was the album that you wanted? Oh man, if we could go back at the studio and re-record the album, we probably would. We'll, we'll never be happy with anything we do. There's always, well, I don't say happy is probably the wrong word, but you know, when you listen, you know yourself, you know, you've recorded albums. Yeah. Um, when you listen to it, you think, you're always thinking, oh, I could have changed that little bit there, I could have changed that little bit here. Yeah. Um, and you'll never, you'll never be satisfied. But I mean, it was a four month slog yeah. of, of, um, uh, Drums, guitars, uh, vocals, demos, and then straight in with the vocals. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was a long process, but it was it was good. It was good. It, it all worked. It all seemed to flow quite well. We had Sam Turbitt from Ritual Sound Studios yeah. coming down to us in Norwich, and you know the drums we travelled up there to Darlington for uh, the the lyrics and the vocal demos was mainly me, uh, me and Chris. Um, with Nathan actually involved in some of them, so the whole might have sickness the opening track, the the vocal melody at the end was all Nathan's idea. Yeah. So yeah, we all get involved somehow, and the writing process is easy. But yeah, this one kind of just we plucked it out of there, really. Is is there like somebody in, somebody within the band that is just like that? That perfectionist, that every every note needs to be perfect, and they they can hear that oh. one that one snare that's off. <laughs> yeah, that's Nate, right? So Nate has, has this thing of like everything has to be perfect, and if it isn't perfect, then it's shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he does this thing, so he hates hates playing solos, hates recording solos, um, and he'll he'll rewrite. He'll he always writes a solo sort of like in the studio. He doesn't ever really um, nail one in, in concrete yeah. at home or in his home studio. So. He will, he will often, we'll often get to the point where he, he sits there and goes, oh, I hate this, let's bin it all off, let's go and let's just get drunk. 
yeah, that's nice. Nice for perfectionist. <laughs> Definitely. Fair enough, man. Um, so, a, a lot of thrash bands try to enhance their sound and, and by taking on different uh, different influences within their music. Uh, do you kind of think this is important for a band to not limit themselves within one genre? Uh, or do you think for, like, fan purpose, marketing and branding, do you think it's better to be consistent in your sound? Um, yeah, I do think it's important actually, especially with 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 nowadays and how accessible music is and the oversaturation of you know how many bands are out there and how easy it is to get your music out there. You know, you've got things like Spotify and YouTube. You can easily get lost. So definitely, I think it is really important to bring in new styles and and, and hone your own sound. But at the same time, old band, older bands like uh, you know Onslaught, Zentrix. Um, you know, they're still, in a way, doing the same things that they kind of did back in the day. Yeah. You know, it's been the new the new Onslaught singles are sounding great, but I would, personally, as, a, as an Onslaught fan, I'd be kind of annoyed if they deviated too much from it because, you know, it's nearly 40 years now of them doing that sort of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, but I think it is important. I don't, I don't think there's, there's, you know, genres as a whole need to stagnate forward movement is always the best movement yeah well, so look, it was, I was talking to um, the guys from Eradicator and obviously they, oh, they, yeah. they, they were sort of saying about their, their last album you know they, they were, like in every album that they've done they've tried to uh, incorporate like different styles of music into it to find out what, mm. what what sort of works, you know that they've, they've tried prog with thrash, and you know like, and obviously it's it's kind of what 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 fans like and uh, and things like that. And, and it's just like it's interesting to sort of go okay from uh, from a thrash band, uh, how do you how do you deviate? You know what you know what what the styles of music work with it and things like that. I think, I think that's always quite interesting to sort of hear hear about really. Um, yeah, I mean their, their last their last album was like almost. Mastodon-esque, wasn't it? Like, quite proggy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think it's quite important, especially with, like, the smaller bands like us, um, Eradicator, you know, you know, the list could go on, but it's, especially with Thrash, there's sort of, like, there falls this elitism around Thrash, where if it's not from 1986, then it sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, you know, that can leave you quite downtrodden as a newer band. So it's definitely all about moving the sound forward and, and finding what works for you. And if you have to walk away from the thrash side of things to get your music heard and, and do what you love, then, then go for it. I don't, I don't see the problem with it at all. What, what's kind of, uh, you know, what, what do you vision as uh, Shrapnel's sound now? Obviously, going into, Nate, Nate released this album. Uh, going into your your next release that you you personally are, are, are going to be a part of, and obviously you just sort of said about sixty percent was you know already written and things like that. You know what yeah. what how are you going to mould Shrapnel sound moving forward? I mean that's a difficult one because we all we all have different ideas. Album number four has started already. I mean yeah. the demos I'm going to say are probably eighty percent there. We're hoping to be in the studio next year very early, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where I see our sound going because, you know, Palace, Palace was great. You know, so we, hit, we hit some gold with Palace, really, in terms of finding the balance between thrash and incorporating newer influences. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Matt. It's probably, you'd probably say sort of like a euthanasia sort of feel to it next or a countdown to extinction, maybe. That would be, that'd be a right sort of... That, that, right way to go, I think. That, that sort of, that sort of the, you know, the heavy riffs, but with the lots of big choruses yeah. and melody and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, definitely. That's 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 what we're probably going to aim for. But we'll see, because you never know. We might get to the studio and scrap it all and write a new album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, who are some of your personal biggest influences? Uh, you know, and, and, and are they quite mixed in the band, or do you all sort of agree on 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 the bands that you listen to? Uh, there's, there's, there's the obvious ones that we all agree on. You know, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. Um, yeah, but Nate pulls a lot of influences from from new metal bands, yeah. um, actually, which is quite different. You know, he's heavily influenced by death tones, and you can hear that in the the track Begin Again, that opening riff, that sort of black hole bend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my influences are quite simple, really. Um, not even flashy musicians. Most of them, people like Angel Ripper from Sodom, yeah. um, Burnerman from uh, Sodom as well. I'm, I'm I'm more influenced on the German side of thrash, so. Yeah. And then Carcass, Carcass, big, big Carcass fan. So. <laughs> well, that's actually, that, that was the next question I was going to sort of bring up. Was obviously um, bringing in the dreaded COVID nineteen. So obviously the pandemic has shafted quite a few musicians. Um, oh mate, uh, really. You, you guys were set to do your uh, your your big sort of um, performance over in Sweden at the uh, House of Metal Festival, weren't you? Um, early this year. Um, oh yeah, we done, we played that, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, but obviously you know how how is that sort of uh, how has COVID nineteen uh, affected affected you guys uh, starting back up? So with releasing a record and you know just playing shows in general and you know all these other bands that are now releasing records. You have Havoc, Warbringer, Onslaught are now releasing something. Um, you know, those bands in that sort of situation, it's a massive boner killer to be honest, because yeah. you've got this material you want to play to the world, you know, and you want to. You want, to, you want to spread the word and, and you know feel people sweat from the front row, but you can't do it because of COVID. So mm. we'll see. I mean, they, they're talking about listening in August, right? At the end of August? Yeah. Or with, with restrictions. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be quite difficult. Quite difficult, but, you know, we've had, we have a, we have a gig booked with Evile and Gamma Bomb in Manchester. I'm going to say Manchester. I think it's Manchester. In October. Um, and that's sold out. That was Rebellion, so that's completely sold out. So I don't know, you know, what's going to happen going forward, but we'll see. Yeah. Bedroom gigs, mate, that's where it's at. <laughs> I say, ho- hopefully, fingers crossed. There's some magical cure that flies down, and then that's it. We're all done. <laughs> I think the cure. I think the, I think with, with the cure should be gigs. You know, people should it should be mandatory for people to get the gigs and support bands. Yeah, and I'm man. hoping that you know when when COVID finally fucking does one, that um, you know. It will make people more hungry to go to gigs, and, and everyone will be there, and you know people will be having a good time and drinking beer and enjoying the music more because you know that may, maybe that fear of it all being taken away again mm-hmm. will you know, sort of you know give everybody in the scene a kick up the arse and just be like yeah let's support music let's let's get bands heard and let's have a good time. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. I say like it, it's one of those things that uh, you know like um, it, it'd been a while for me sort of going to. Going to gigs, I mean, because after after I had my daughter uh, and and I left my band and stuff like that, like just find, finding the time to get out is is just a big one. And and obviously yeah, when, once COVID nineteen hit, and I was like, you know what, I've, I haven't like been gagging for a gig as much as I have been in such a long time, you know. Yeah, just, definitely, definitely. And and the same with musicians, you know, usually, I mean, you know, you've played you play bloodstock and things like that you go out and you gig and it's a normal thing and it's you know it's your hobby or your part-time job um, but when it's taken away from you you're like you take it for granted you know yeah you don't you take it for granted you're like shit i really miss this this is definitely you know what i want to do for the rest of my life 
Well, I mean, just, just, just the simple things of, you know, like um, wanting to get to band practice and things like that, you know, just want to just go and chill yeah. with friends. <laughs> yeah, just, just have a beer with mates, innit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you feel that, uh, you know, sort of talking about the useful things through, through COVID, there's, there's not much, but uh, do you feel that social media has been quite useful for musicians throughout the pandemic? Feel like yes and no. Yeah. Um, I mean, we everyone uses social media now. You have to for well everything really. Your life kind of revolves around it, unfortunately. Um, I think social media has been great for getting out, you know, new singles um, and things like that. But in terms of in terms of just general use day to day use of social media when you're in a band, I mean, I hate it. I hate it. I don't. I wish there was a different way. Yeah. Because I don't find it useful at all. I hate. I hate Facebook, I hate Twitter, I hate Instagram, I hate it all. Yeah. Um, I wish it would go back to tape trading personally like we were doing in high school. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is useful. You can't deny it. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it, 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 is, it is one of those things where like, I think, I mean, me personally, I think if it wasn't for, I see social media as business, I think I'd quite happy. Yeah. Well, to be fair, at, at the start of at the start of the whole pandemic thing, I switched it off for two weeks. So I was like, "Well, I ain't gonna go." Yeah, I don't blame you, mate. I don't blame you. It's shit, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> and, and to be fair, that, 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 those those two weeks were the best two weeks I think I've ever had because I was just able to just concentrate <laughs> on my family, and it was ace. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, man. <laughs> um, and and obviously, uh, you know, you you guys have sort of uh, just released your album, as I say. Um, Palace for the Insane. So you know, you guys have um, have released it obviously as, as phys- physical and digital. Obviously, it's available on all the streaming sites and things like that. Um, do yeah. you feel that uh, obviously there's this big talk about um, CDs, vinyl, cassettes versus the digital age and that sort of thing? Uh, do you feel that CDs, vinyl, cassette and cassettes are, are sort of limited, or do you feel that it's going to sort of have a resurgence? Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, definitely feel like it's going to have a resurgence, man. I hope it does anyway, because I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a sucker to see these vinyls and cassettes and sell. So, you know, I love to, I love to get a, to open up a vinyl and just sniff it. You know, yeah. that that plastic smell that you get on a vinyl. Um, yeah, I think I think the digital age is, is inevitable. I think it inevitably will take over because of just the way the world is. You know, that easy access feed me now mentality um, that, that we have with social media and, and things like that. But um, I hope it doesn't take over. I really hope it doesn't because, you know, now releasing an album, you know, before, you know, on, on the first track of my album, it was very much like 2014, Spotify, I think, released in 2015. Yeah. So it was, you know, hard album sales, like, okay, you've sold this many albums, you've done this, you've played this many shows. Now it's how many streams have you done? Yeah. And having to be from you know, uh, you know, probably one of the bigger thrash bands in the in the UK, but still having to try and build like this this following on a whole different platform, as well as trying to get people to buy physical copies. Mm. It's a whole other mind trick. You know, you're sitting there, you're like, what do we do? Yeah. You know, trying to trying to appeal to a younger audience, especially because that's that's who use it most of all is a younger audience. Yeah. And a lot of those guys don't care about thrash, yeah. so <laughs> it's really difficult. Now, how, how, how do you guys sort of um, keep keep yourself sort of relevant? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, I think we've fallen lucky. You know, we've released an album that sold out four times. Yeah. Um, you know, went to number one on Amazon thrash charts. Mm. Uh, uh, I think we've fallen lucky with this album. 
which is weird because we were worried about releasing it during the pandemic but mm. candlelight was saying no just do it there's what what can you do you delay it and then mm. you know um yeah we felt lucky but we we keep ourselves relevant you know on social media the obvious sites um we also we also believe in the whole reaching out to people one-to-one yeah. you know there's nothing better than instead of being like getting a mass message sent or a mass email or looking at a facebook post that doesn't you know appeal to you as a person whatsoever talk to people yeah. you know ask them what they're like what they're listening to in, in a way you know share music that way ask them what they're listening to get them to send you something yeah. you send them something it's the best way to do it man keep it old school but do it in a modern format well I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things like obviously the, the, the fact obviously you know how, how this interview came about was obviously you, you contacting me um, mm. and, 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 and it's one of those things where I think it, it is always useful like you know I mean as, as, a, as a PR rep myself um, for for bands just to be as active as your as your PR company in sort of uh, getting out there and sort of speaking to people and things like that. So obviously, you know, it's, it's your product that you that you're selling, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. When it comes to the business side of it, it is a product. You know, be it PR, record label, management. You know, you have to get your business head on, and I hate that. I really hate it. I, I have to do that in my job all the time yeah. and I don't want to do it with my music yeah. but that's just the way it is you know I prefer you know doing things like this the interview where I can just sort of like sit back and talk to people and have a laugh you know because that's for me that's what metal's about drinking beer playing shows sweating it out yeah. having a laugh yeah man just... if people buy my music in the meantime then fucking listen yeah um, obviously we've sort of spoke a little bit and there's, there's a few bands that we've sort of uh, we've brought up uh, within the UK music scene, but obviously, is there anybody that you're sort of looking at as you know, uh, you know, joining you guys rising that you feel is the next big thing in your opinion? There, there's a few. You know, you got you got great new um, uh, smaller thrash bands popping up now. You've got Militia, Riptide. Um, you've got Infran from from Edinburgh. You know, they're all doing really well. But um, Devastator from Derby have just released a banging album. Anyway, it's, 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 it's different. Again, this is what we were talking about earlier when you, you slightly change the nuance of the music. So they're, they're thrash, but they've got a, almost like a, a black and roll motorhead feel to it as well. And it's just something different about it. Uh, so Devastator, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on those guys and I love the bits as well. You know, Big Tom C is, is fantastic. We both share our interest in Angel Ripper and Sodom. Yeah. So, I mean, once this is all over, you know, we're hoping to take those guys out with us for a UK run. Right. And, yeah. So, Devastator's a big one. Awesome. Get them on the show, man. Nice one, man. Um, well, obviously, uh, you know, you've just sort of mentioned about, obviously, uh, you know, what, what, what you kind of want to do and get it back out on the road and things like that. Uh, have have mm. you guys got any, any plans after, um, after we've fucked off this COVID thing? Uh, have, have you guys got any uh, shows already locked in and things like that? Anything that we can announce? Um, well, we've got a show in Plymouth with Evile and Fecal Juice with Bats of God, September 2021, off the top of my head. And we're also playing with Evile and Gamma Bomb on the on October, October sometime. I can't remember the exact date because it's all up in the air at the moment. But that's going to be a great show, you know. Three of the three of the biggest UK thrash bands all in one place. Yeah. Definitely, let's get there for some face noise. But at the moment, we're we're booking stuff. It's happening, but it's, it's a lot of pipeline pipeline dreams at the moment. Because awesome. of the because of the virus, no one knows what they're doing. You know, we've been we're in talks with booking agencies and management companies, etc. 
everyone's in the same boat, you know, what can you do? I say it's, it's, one, it's one of those things, I mean, I, I've sort of found trying to book some gigs and things like that. So like promoters yeah. and, and venues and stuff, they're, they're happy to sort of go, yes, I want it, but like, obviously they, they can't commit because they don't know. <laughs> you know? We're, we're all, you know, we all have to abide by the law, and if the law is doing what it is to keep us safe, then, you know, who should we be to say, no, that's shit, we want to do this? Yeah. So, you know, once it's, once it's all ready and once, once everything's safe, then we'll come back. We'll come back and we'll be a force to be reckoned with because, you know, we've released this album. We're ready to start slamming that around venues and in the UK and Europe because that'll be happening more. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, well, obviously, we, we sort of uh, brought up about your, your uh, new single, Begin Again. So, obviously, it's the third single mm. taken from Palace for the Insane. Uh, it was released five days ago. It's a very different track from the from the rest of the album. It comes uh, packaged really nicely with some fantastic imagery. Um, yeah. So, just tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit more about the song in the video. I know you sort of touched on it earlier, uh, but just sort of uh, tell us a little yeah. bit more about it. Uh, so, I mean, when we we were all friends with a guy, or close friends with a guy called Dave Ingram, who done wonders for the UK metal scene and for Yeah. Sort of like in the early 2010s, you know, he had a festival in Wakefield called Full Thrash Assault, and he, and he used to support all the bands that are on there, from, from no matter how small they were, to even if they were starting to get signed to record labels, he was the guy, you know, he was the super fan. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he struggled a lot with mental health and committed suicide two years ago. Um, and that hit us all really hard. Yeah. That hit us all really hard, um, you know, because we were talking to him, but weeks beforehand. Um, and, you know, you sit there and you wonder if there's something, something you could have done. Mm. Um, and that kind of hit us up for a bit. That hit us up, you know. So the way we, we thought about doing, you know, him and honour would be recording a song, not necessarily about him, um, in a way, but for him mm. um, and people who are in that situation, you know, because there is a stigma about mental health and people don't talk about it yeah. um, and it shouldn't be that way. So is the song, you know, if you follow the music video and you watch it, you know, it's very much about um, that, that depression, that lull mm. into society and how, how it makes you feel, how your thoughts make you feel, how alcohol and drugs can make you feel. But it's also got that, that slow midsection with that tool-less bass line, yeah. which then picks up at the end with the solo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's supposed to be a, a, a pick-me-up to everybody being like, you know, it's okay, it's, you talk, you've got, you've got family, you know, you don't have to, don't have to bear the cross yourself. Um, yeah, we, we want it to be a pick-me-up rather than a downer. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, but we've all suffered from mental health, you know, everyone in life, I should imagine, has in one way or another yeah. um, and we just want it to be sort of like another way of saying it's okay to talk about it yeah and so and, and for days you know awesome man well um, any final thoughts or plugs or messages for Shrapnel fans uh, or for those that are, that are new to the band yeah man um, thank you for everybody because you know we dropped the album in a super weird time and to be honest, we didn't think it was going to do as well as it did. We knew we were sitting on something special, but we didn't know how it was going to go about. And the album reached number one on Amazon. It, it sold out four times, you know. With the, the reception's been amazing. Just keep sharing the word and keep, keep spreading the love because, you know, we adore you guys and without them, you know, we'd be nothing. So keep it up and we'll, uh, we'll see you in late 2020 or 2021. 
will come and wreck your town. Drink all your beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, th thank you so much, man, for, for obviously your time, for chatting with us here at the Razor's Edge. No, thank you, dude. That's, uh, that's awesome. Keep up the good work. Much love. Take care. Bye.